Well, good morning again. Happy Lord's Day to you here at Covenant. We like to have our kids with us during the worship service. I appreciated the interaction uh, with JD. Uh, Little theologians, as I preach, I'd like for you to draw a picture of an obstacle in the road. It can be anything. An obstacle in the road, and you can't get around it. It's just there. This passage is about the obstacle of people. People can be so difficult to be with. And that's what this passage is about. This morning we're looking at Proverbs chapter 11, the first nine verses. But before we read those verses, would you please pray with me? Let's pray. Father, we are so hard-hearted. We only want to hear what we want to hear. We ask that you would soften us, that we would hear your word this morning. Submit our hearts, transform our hearts, that we might go from this place living these words from King Solomon. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Proverbs chapter 11, verses 1 through 9. A false balance is an abomination to the Lord, but a just weight is his delight. When pride comes, then comes disgrace, but with the humble is wisdom. The integrity of the upright guides them, but the crookedness of the treacherous destroys them. Riches do not profit in the day of wrath, but righteousness delivers from death. The righteousness of the blameless keeps his way straight, but the wicked falls by his own wickedness. The righteousness of the upright delivers them, but the treacherous are taken captive by their lust. When the wicked dies, his hope will perish, and the expectation of wealth perishes too. The righteous is delivered from trouble. And the wicked walks into it instead. With his mouth, the godless man would destroy his neighbor, but by knowledge, the righteous are delivered. This is the word of the Lord. Haven't you noticed that Proverbs is all about the ordinary life? Everyday, common, nothing to report home about, ordinary life. 31 chapters of it. But this proverb is especially honest because it tells us that even in ordinary life, troubles come in. You see that word there in verse 8, troubles. We can understand that as anguish, anxiety, insecurity. Ordinary life includes this, doesn't it? At least in a fallen world. This passage actually is nine verses about troubles. Look at verse 10. I won't read it, but isn't verse 10 happy? If you have your Bible open, you can see it. It's so happy. It's about happiness in ordinary life, rejoicing. Even a whole city rejoices. But verses 1 through 9 are not about that. They're about troubles. One of the great evidences that the world is not what it should be is that even things like human relationships, aren't they wonderful? Even things like human relationships can actually be a source of trouble. Our relationships with others can be a tremendous blessing, but we know that they can also feel very much like a curse. Isn't this true? 
This is true for relationships with strangers and colleagues and acquaintances. But it's also true for close friendships, dear friends, husbands and wives. These relationships are glorious, but sometimes they're difficult. And very quickly in our passage, verses 1 and 2 are about a simple visit to the marketplace to buy groceries. But the sales clerk is dishonest and tinkers with a cash register to get your money. And then verses 3 through 8, they're about a treacherous person who, for whatever reason, singles you out for one purpose, to get something that belongs to you. And then look at verse 9, just one verse, but it's clearly about a neighbor, but not a good neighbor, someone right next door seeking to destroy you. We know what this is like. We have been tricked during a transaction at a store. We've purchased a car from a tricky salesperson, perhaps. We've gone to the register only to find out that the coupon doesn't work for that product. You were fooled. And haven't we all been approached by a person who doesn't really want to be our friend, but instead wants to take something from us, our money or our possessions or our body? And haven't we all had a neighbor who appears nice but gossips about us to other neighbors or becomes hostile in small matters? God cares about these troubles. And wisdom tells us how to deal with the relationship troubles of ordinary life. That's what this passage is about. And believe it or not, we're going to go through it quickly. Wisdom tells us how to deal with the relationship troubles of ordinary life. And I want to finish with some bad news and some worse news and finally some good news. It'll be good news that takes us to the Lord's table. But the first two verses, wisdom tells us to be humble towards others, humble towards others. You see in verse 2, with the humble is wisdom. We need to ask in each of these sections, what's the trouble? And the trouble of verses 1 and 2 is that there are dishonest people around us. It's a a scene you see from a market. As someone is buying a product, there's a small scale on the table to figure out the price of the product. The payment is made in silver or more likely copper and it's being measured out. But the salesperson has created dummy weights. They don't weigh what they say they should weigh. And you don't know it, but he's taking more money from you than he should The salesperson is exercising pride, it says in verse 2, but that word for pride, it can also be translated as uh, presumptuousness. That's what the salesperson is doing. They're presuming. They're being perhaps haughty or confident. He or she, they know what they're doing. And of course they know that if they're found out, verse 2 says, then comes disgrace. But they don't think they're going to be found out. They're prideful. They're haughty. You see, wisdom tells us how to deal with the relationship troubles of ordinary life. This is a trouble with a dishonest person. How do we deal with this situation? You remember this passage from the prophet Micah? He has told you, O man, what is good and what does the Lord require of you? but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God. That's Micah 6 verse 8. And that word for humble there 
is also here in verse 2, and it's an extremely rare word. It literally means to be lowly, submissive, modest, level-headed, one scholar has translated it. And I wonder if when a dishonest person comes to take something from us, I wonder if we are too quick to get too hot-headed. Don't we immediately cry out, rat, rat, I see you. And many times we actually lust for the opportunity to expose someone who is being dishonest to us. But maybe that's too much. It's humility, spirit-born humility that uh, liberates us from assuming that everyone has dishonest means. When the transaction is twisted, perhaps the response is to call it out, and you should, but you should be gentle even when the dishonest person is discovered trying to take something from you. Be lowly. We're so quick to make assumptions. I told you we were going fast. But wisdom is there to help us in these relationship troubles. And wisdom tells us to be humble even when someone is being dishonest. Verses 3 through 8, wisdom tells us to have integrity with others, even treacherous others. You see in verse 3, we looked in verse 2 and saw the word humble. We see in verse 3 the word integrity. The integrity of the upright guides them. This is the only other place in Proverbs that we find this word integrity. But notice what the trouble is here. There's treacherous people and they're all around you and they seem to want what's yours. It may be that uh, this section, it's hard to find the exact circumstance that King Solomon is addressing. The Proverbs are often that way. You're familiar with the Proverbs. But look what's happening here. There is someone who is treacherous. It's repeated twice. And so too is this person called crooked. This person is someone who, if you look at the Hebrew origin of those words, someone who is perverse, covert, faithless, they're a renegade, they break things. Have you heard of that expression, that kid, he's just a bad apple? She's just a bad apple. This is a bad apple. You also see what motivates them. Look at verse 4. They are after riches and profit. And you see in verse 7 that they seem to have certain expectations from their own wealth. They expect to use their wealth to harm others in some way or maybe use their wealth to take the wealth of others. Part of their danger is that they believe they can use what they have to get what you have. They're treacherous. And again, it's not perfectly clear what this person is like. But one scholar, Derek Kidner, he says the best example of this kind of person is actually in Genesis chapter 39. How well is your Bible memory? Do you know what's in Genesis 39? Derek Kidner says that a great example of a treacherous person is Potiphar's wife. You remember the story Joseph has this luxuriant role as the attendant of the king's captain of the guards. But the wife of the captain of the guards begins to seduce Joseph. 
And Joseph is a man of integrity, and he leaves. He goes away. That's a picture of integrity. You see, wisdom tells us how to deal with the relationship troubles of ordinary life. Just imagine that scene from Genesis 39, how hard it would have been for Joseph to do exactly what he did, but he runs away because integrity is being innocent, blameless, even pure, we could understand that word. We must always behave as God would have us behave. No matter what the circumstances, we strive for integrity, for purity. And the Christian is righteous in their behavior. The word righteous shows up so many times in verses 3 through 8. That's not a fancy theological word. It's about behavior. We behave as God would have us behave, even in front of treacherous people. We're not called only to love God's will for our lives when things are going well. But even when we are attacked and persecuted and intimidated and pursued by others. Just very quickly, uh, Hebrews and 1 and 2 Peter, you know that these are letters written to a persecuted people. In fact, the writer of Hebrews even says that uh, you readers of this letter have friends who've bled for Jesus. You have friends who are in prison for Jesus and you go and you visit them. But never does Peter or the writer of Hebrews say that a different ethic kicks into gear when you're surrounded by treacherous people. Never. We are always to live holy and blameless lives, even before the treacherous. And then finally, in verse 9, wisdom tells us to speak good to others and about others. You are supposed to be finding this advice to be slightly offensive. Even as we go through quickly, you should see that it is offensive to be uh, humble before someone who seems to be practicing dishonesty. To be uh, pure and blameless and innocent before someone who is so treacherous, they may very well wish to see you dead. And so too is it hard to hear that wisdom tells us to speak good to and about others, even the bad neighbor. This neighbor uses the neighbor relationship to destroy his neighbor. And we don't have the details, but it's something about his or her mouth. They're slandering us, gossiping about us, lying about us. And maybe they're doing that even to get our property, to see us go down. How are we to deal with situations like this? We're certainly not to be like the godless neighbor. Do you see that in verse 9, the neighbor is called godless? We're to be godly neighbors. That neighbor uses his or her mouth to inflict harm. And King Solomon says that it is by knowledge that we're to deal with these situations. Knowledge could mean discernment, understanding, skill, even patience. I wonder if the proper use of our mouth is to, in a situation like this, rather than argue with our neighbor, look for ways to, to destroy our neighbor before they destroy us, maybe our words are meant to encourage, 
Do you think that's a godly use of our mouth? Is that the skill of knowledge to encourage the person who refuses to encourage you? If we uphold the ninth commandment, protect the name of others. You think we're called to protect the name of others even when they don't protect our name? Yes. Yes. Patient, kind words to and about our good neighbors and our bad neighbors. Wisdom, you see, tells us how to deal with the relationship troubles of ordinary life. There's hard news and worse news, but good news. The hard news is this. Proverbs is so honest to us. The Holy Spirit is so good to tell us that there are dishonest people that will hurt us. And there are treacherous people who will seek us out to hurt us. And there are bad neighbors all around us mixed in with the good neighbors. People might take our money at the cash register. The treacherous might get at our possessions or our body or our very life. And the bad neighbor might destroy your reputation. This might happen in this present age. We live in a broken world. And Proverbs is so honest. It's hard news. You are, Christian, called to be humble. And to live with purity and integrity. And to take care of the names of others. This is not negotiable, so it's hard news. But there's worse news. There are dishonest people, treacherous people, and bad neighbors all around us. But sometimes that person is you. And sometimes that person is me. Are you tempted to be dishonest to someone to gain just a little? Are you tempted to live your life with a scale of treachery that you might improve yourself over and above a colleague? And that's your ultimate goal. Do you sometimes struggle to love that neighbor and therefore encourage him or her and be patient with them? It might be you. You know, Scripture uh, gives us warnings. God, he knows our hearts. He knows our motives. And he has the right to expect obedience from us. This is not a legalistic claim. I'm, I'm not being legalistic with you. You will not be condemned for your sins. God will always forgive. And he will bring you into his very presence all those who profess faith in Jesus. But scripture does tell us that we will be held accountable for our actions. He has the right to do that. Don't be that dishonest person, that treacherous person, or that bad neighbor. Embrace humility, live with integrity, and elevate the name of others with your words. So there's hard news, there's worse news, but here's the good news. You have been all of these bad people to Jesus, 
And yet he has come and done all things necessary for your salvation. You are the dishonest one. You are the one who's changed out the weight so that everything might turn in your favor and you get more of what you want. You are the treacherous one. You are dangerous, the fallen one who lives as if you have control over your sins, but no one else does and therefore you're better. You're the treacherous bad apple. And finally, you are the one who misuses your words to elevate yourself and to demote others, becoming unto yourself a little God who issues commands with his lips. The good news is this. Jesus endured the trouble that you are for your salvation Jesus is with you in this present age and in your failures. He never fails and he never failed. You can be a troubler and yet still be saved. That's the doctrine of grace in Jesus Christ. That's the good news. You have been his troubler and he's done all things necessary for your salvation. When we come to the Lord's table, would you please see yourself as the dishonest, treacherous, bad neighbor? And would you please see this table as the proclamation of a body broken for your salvation and you didn't deserve it and I didn't deserve it either? Would you join me in prayer? Our Father, as we prepare to come to this table, remind us of who we are. Remind us of who Jesus is. We thank you in his name. Amen.